Hey guys, it's Scott. I just want to thank you for tuning into the Blue Ridge Church podcast. You know, I hope this is encouraging to you. I hope it's inspiring to you. And I pray most of all, it's going to help you on your faith journey. So enjoy today. Oh my goodness. Well, it's great to see you. I want to welcome you again to Blue Ridge Church, those of you streaming with us. And if this is your first time joining us, either online or in person, we are so glad that you're here. So uh, as Justin mentioned today, is Palm Sunday. Really, it marks the events of Holy Week that are coming this week and Jesus's triumphal entry, his victory over death. You know, and next Sunday is Easter Sunday. Next Sunday, we'll gather together and we'll celebrate Easter. And the thing about next Sunday is people will come to church. People who don't normally come to church will come to church next Sunday. Well, why is that important? Why is that important? Because the people that are going to give church one try next week, I want them to come here because I know they're going to be loved, they're going to be welcomed, and they're going to be accepted no matter where they're at in life. They're not going to be judged. They're not going to be looked down on. They're not going to be shunned because of something in their present or something in their past. I want them to come here because I know when they walk through those doors, they're going to realize that is one messed up group of people at that church. And they're going to feel comfortable, right? We are a group of messed up people. And I think we're just crazy enough to believe that every single human being deserves the right to hear about Jesus and how Jesus can change their life. And we believe truly that every single person can find hope and healing and restoration and love and salvation through a relationship with Christ. You know, when we started this church 11 and a half years ago, We started this church to help people to find and follow Jesus. That's our mission. That's been our mission from day one. That is still our mission today, to help people to find and to follow Christ. And honestly, that's what Christ left us here to do. That's why he left the church here, to be his representatives on this earth, to be a reflection of, The church, the body of Christ, and that's what we are, should be a reflection of him. The best possible reflection of him. As a matter of fact, look at 2 Corinthians 5.20. And all of the verses we use, all of the learnings, they're on the Church Center app. If you can download that onto your phone or you can scan the QR code if you're here in person. Or if you're watching online, they'll send you a link. If you want to follow along with our notes. But 2 Corinthians 5.20 says this. God has given us... The task of telling everyone what he's doing. We're Christ's representatives. God uses us to persuade men and women to drop their differences and enter into God's work of making things right between them. We're speaking for Christ himself now. Become friends with God. He's already a friend with you. Now, telling others about Jesus, that's a process right? It may be one time they learn about Jesus. It may be uh, their entire lives that they learn about Jesus. Salvation is the event. That could take a long time, if ever, to come in a person's life, but we have to constantly be telling people 
about Christ and how Christ can change their lives. That's what this verse is talking about. So I want us to be prepared to invite our friends to church, not just Easter weekend, anytime you can bring them to church. And the good news is that, that your friend group and my friend group and your peer group and my peer group, they've already been considering coming to church next Sunday. Easter Sunday is a big event in the life of the church. So I want to make it easier for us to invite people that we know. Now, why is it that when you invite somebody to church, it's, and most of us heard about this church through a friend. Somebody got out of their comfort zone maybe and invited us to church. But why is it that the church invites difficult? Why is that? And I'm not looking for you to give me an answer because I'm going to give you the answer as to why it's difficult. But it is, it's easy to say, hey, why don't you come over and we'll watch the game today? It's easy to invite a few friends over and say, hey, let's, let's get together, let's hang out, let's have a cookout together. But the church invite, that's a, that's a totally different platform. And if we were really honest, the reason that it's difficult is because of this, learning number one. When we think about inviting our friends to church, we worry about what they will experience when they arrive. Let's be honest about that. When I was a kid, that's why a lot of times I didn't bring people to church because I didn't know, you know what was going to necessarily happen that weekend. And so we worry about what their experience is going to be, and we want them to have a good experience. I mean, most people are not against God that don't have a relationship with God. Most people want to figure out what God is all about, right? And then they can make a decision about God, but it's the church thing that scares them to death. And for good reason. Because churches sometimes can be really scary places. And some churches can, can actually be kind of hurtful to people, depending on where they're at in life. Churches can be kind of judgmental. Some of you have been in a church like that, or we're anti this and we're anti that, and we're in and you're out and it's us, you know, versus them. In fact, if you look most people who wish they could connect with God have at some point shown up in a church and it wasn't relevant to their lives. And they really didn't feel all that comfortable and they didn't feel all that welcome, so they didn't go back. And you've heard me say this before, but one of the biggest obstacles that gets in the way of people connecting with God and one of the biggest obstacles that gets in the way of people learning about Jesus and even accepting Jesus is the church itself. And that's got to break God's heart. Why? He left us here to function as an extension of him. He left us here to be a reflection of him and to be his representatives on this earth. And when you think about when Jesus, you know, was here on this earth, all types of people loved to be with Jesus. Everywhere he went, the unchurched, the uh, unbelievers, the I don't know what I believe, the confused, whatever, all those people, what did they do? They flocked to Jesus. They flocked to hear Jesus teach. And even though he was a religious leader, he didn't hang around with the religious people. It was the unreligious people, the sinners like me and you that flocked to Jesus, but then the religious leaders were offended by Jesus. I mean, think about it. 
as holy as he was, as righteous as he was, sinners were comfortable with him. They enjoyed being in his presence. And if the church, the local body of Christ, is supposed to be a representative of Jesus, why do we often have the opposite effect on people that don't know Christ? The people that don't believe that don't have a relationship with God, the people that say, I don't know what I believe today, they don't enjoy the church, most churches. And that's a tragedy because, again, we are supposed to be a reflection of Christ. There's a total disconnect. That's why we're called the body of Christ. We are to function as if we are Christ himself. So why is it that... You know, your friends and my friends and, and your neighbors and my neighbors, if they were to show up in the average church, they wouldn't enjoy it, they wouldn't want to go back, and they would probably find it very difficult to f- find anything to help them connect with their Father in heaven. Why is it over the years the church has really evolved into something that, quite honestly, often doesn't reflect who Jesus Christ is. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, to prepare us for what's going to happen next week. Because if I had a concern for Blue Ridge Church, it's this. And my concern for Blue Ridge Church is that we would somehow lose something that makes us unique. And we would go the way that so many churches before us have gone, and we would become more concerned with those who are found than we would with those who are lost. See, what makes us unique as a church, it's not our music, though we have incredible music. We have an incredible tech team, an incredible worship team. What makes us unique is not our off-the-charts youth program and our incredible kids programs. What makes us unique is not our incredibly young pastor You know, what makes us unique is not even our wonderful, faithful, generous, always giving attenders. No, what makes us unique is for 11 and a half years, we have stayed committed to creating a place where the unchurched loves to attend and create a place where the unchurched are comfortable. The people that say, I don't believe, I don't know what I believe, I'm confused. They can come here, and they know they're going to be welcome. I know they're going to be welcome, and they're going to be comfortable. Now, they can leave saying, you know what? (laughs) I don't know about all that Jesus stuff. I don't know if I buy into all that Jesus stuff, but there was something about those people that I enjoyed. They welcomed me. They didn't ask me where I've been for the past six months. They didn't ask me if it was my first time here. They didn't ask me for any money. They didn't make me shake hands with the guy beside me who obviously had a cold. (laughs) I don't know about all that Jesus stuff, but there was something about those people. And I believe I'll go back. Folks, that's who we've been for the past 11 and a half years. And I think we have the exact same thing that attracted unbelieving irreligious, unreligious, I don't know what I believe, uncomfortable, confused people to Jesus. And that's what the church 
is supposed to be. And, and my, so my only concern is that somehow, some way, someday, we would eventually lose that. Because the goal of the local church is to help people outside of the family of God to connect with God. And you heard it in the last song we sang. And today, I'm pretty pumped because we're talking about my favorite chapter in the entire Bible, Luke chapter 15. There's three stories in Luke chapter 15. And over the past 11 and a half years, we may have taken you know one story and talked about it or this story and talked about it. But today, I want to look at them from a very high level collectively because it shows all of us why we exist as a body of Christ and what our mission is while we're here on this earth. And I truly think that you have to understand the first two stories in order to understand the third story. And so let me start out and just read the first verse. Luke chapter 15, verse 1. Tax collectors and other notorious sinners. Let me stop right there. These are pretty bad people, aren't they? Tax collectors and other notorious sinners. Other notorious sinners, that would be somebody like Justin. Okay, our worship leader, or Matt. So just, just to give you an idea who the scripture's talking about here. But they often came to listen to Jesus teach. This made the Pharisees and teachers of religious law complain that he was associating with such sinful people, even eating with them. So let me just stop right there. If you uh, are, are still checking out the claims of Christ... You don't know where you're at on the faith spectrum. You don't know if you buy into all the the Jesus stuff. Can I tell you how Jesus would treat you if he was here on earth today? Exactly like this verse says. He would hang out with you, and he'd hang out with me. He'd eat with you, and he'd eat with me. He'd welcome you, and he'd welcome me. See, the reason that he ate with sinners and tax collectors was because they were comfortable with him. These people invited him into their homes. They invited him to their parties, to their social gatherings. They were comfortable with the most holy and most righteous person to ever walk the face of the earth. And we say in partnership class, you know, people who were nothing like Jesus liked Jesus. People who were nothing like Jesus loved Jesus. And the religious people in this story, they are kind of like church people, if you will. And they got upset because Jesus claimed to come from God. They were supposed to be God's representative on earth, but Jesus didn't hang around with religious people. And that upset them, and they didn't know why. And I think that's why we have to understand these stories and the answers found in these three stories, why Jesus didn't hang around with them. Luke chapter 15, verse 3. So Jesus told them a story. If a man has a hundred sheep... And one of them gets lost, what will he do? Won't he leave the 99 others in the wilderness and go to search for the one that is lost until he finds it? And anybody there that had an animal, and most of them did, would be like, yeah, he's right. Because animals were incredibly valuable to them. And if they lost one, they were going to go find it. And there's a principle in here that I think we can all relate to. If we lose something of importance to us, guess what? It gets the focus of our attention, doesn't it? When we lose something that's important to us, it gets the sole focus 
of our attention. So Jesus is saying, you want to know why I hang around with tax collectors and sinners and people like Justin? It's because from my father's perspective, they're lost and they need to be found. Luke 15, 5. And when he has found it, he will joyfully carry it home on his shoulders. When he arrives, he will call together his friends and neighbors saying, rejoice with me because I have found my lost sheep. In the same way, there is more joy in heaven over one lost sinner who repents and returns to God than over 99 others who are righteous and haven't strayed away. He says, you want want to know what gets God excited? It's not all the righteous people getting together and singing songs. It's not all the righteous people getting together and hanging out and, and sharing a meal together. You know, what gets God excited is, you know, you find the one who doesn't believe and now does. Whoo, that gets my father excited. And Jesus says, that's why I do everything I can to connect with those that are outside of my father's family. That's why I do everything to connect with those in in our terms outside of the church or in Jesus' terms outside of of the temple. And and then he tells a second story. And what's really cool in this story, and we we miss these things and we just blow by and, and read it, but he addresses the women in the crowd and, and, and draws them in with a story relating to them. And men didn't do that in that day. You didn't address a woman in public. So he just kind of turns everything up on his head. And he says in verse 15, 8, or suppose a woman has 10 coins and loses one. We think, mm, no big deal, right? She had, she had 10. She's still got nine. It's no big deal. But these coins have incredible significance. They would have been a gift to her from her father on her wedding day. And she would wear those coins as a, um, a headband or a necklace. And it was the wedding ring. You know, we, we look at that wedding ring and, and we know that if somebody wears that, it signifies that they're married, right? That's what those coins did. It was her dowry, but it also was her wedding ring. It signified that she was committed in marriage as one with another human being, with another man, and she's married. You would not leave the house without one of those coins. You would not just stroll out of the house with nine. It would have been shameful to you. As a woman, it would have been shameful to your father, disrespectful to your father. It would have been disrespectful to your husband, you wouldn't have left with just nine coins. This is a big deal. And and so that's why Jesus continues and he says in in 15, 8b through 10, won't she light a lamp and sweep the entire house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she finds it, she will call in her friends and neighbors and say, rejoice with me because I found my lost coin. In the same way, there is joy in the presence of God's angels when what? Even one sinner repents. You seeing a little pattern here? God's like this woman who searched and searched until she found this coin of great significance. Remember, we lose something that's significant to us. It gets the sole focus of our attention. 
And God's like this woman. He searches and searches for the ones that are not connected to him. Because his desire is that everyone would be saved. And when that, you know, teenager, that, you know, woman, that man comes to Christ, God says, let's, let's have a party. So let me ask you a question. Is this, is this making you uncomfortable? Kind of like the people in Jesus' crowd that day? What do you mean lost? I'm not a lost sheep, Jesus. I'm not a lost coin. I'm right here. I'm not lost. Or maybe it makes you uncomfortable because you're found. You've been a Christ follower for years and years and years, and now you're hearing these stories, and you're like, you know, the song we sang, and now he's talking about Luke 15. Why all the focused on the lost and not the found? Maybe that upsets you. Just, just be honest about that. That's okay. And then Jesus tells a third story. And I'll summarize the first part of, of it for you. But this son comes to his dad and he says, Hey, dad, I wish you were dead. I wish I had my inheritance now. Because if I had my inheritance now, I could do what I wanted to do. I could call my own shots. I could live my life the way that I want to live my life. That's essentially what he tells his father. And his dad's like, yeah, you know, you're right. I'm going to pass away someday, and I'm going I'm to give you this anyway. So I'll play along. I'm going to go ahead and give you your inheritance now. This father does something that is off the charts crazy. You just wouldn't do this. But what we may miss when we kind of read through this story pretty quickly is this father is so concerned with connecting with his son relationally, he's willing to do just about anything to have a relationship with his son. And a lot of you know the story. He goes off and gets all these friends because he's got a lot of money and he, uh, he parties hard and he's doing everything and anything and just spending, 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 living the high life, as they would say, until he's completely broke. He spends everything that his dad gave him. And he's completely busted. And he's so busted, he starts to get hungry. The scripture says that he gets a job feeding pigs. And as he's working that job, he realizes just how selfish he is. He realizes just how disrespectful he's been to his father. And he decides, I'm going to go home. I'm going to apologize to my dad. I'm going to ask him to hire me. And he gets home, he's like, Dad, you know, I don't even deserve to be called your son. I don't deserve anything else from you. I've been shameful. What I've done is totally wrong. Would you hire me as one of your servants so that I can at least eat? And I'm going to pick up the rest of the story in Luke 15, 20 through 24. So he returned home to his father, and while he was still... A long ways off, his father saw him coming. Filled with love and compassion, he ran to his son, embraced him, and kissed him. His son said to him, Father, I have sinned against both heaven and you, and I am no longer worthy of being called your son. But his father said to the servants, Quick, bring the finest Lululemon shirt. Bring the finest robe in the house and put it on him. Get a ring for his finger 
and sandals for his feet and kill the calf we've been fattening. We must celebrate with a feast for this son of mine was dead and has now returned to life. He was lost, but now is found. So the party began. And they began to celebrate. And if, if you're here today and you don't know where you stand, let me just tell you from God's perspective or, or speak even on God's behalf, he would love to have a relationship with you. Or if you've been away, he would love for you to come back. And the Bible says there's going to be a bigger party in heaven when that occurs than the rest of the people that are found. Why is that? Because of learning number two, those disconnected from God are the focus of his affection and his attention. Here's what you won't find when you come to God or come back to God through a relationship with Christ. You won't find a a big list of all these things you've done wrong. You won't find a father who's angry with you or ready to punish you. You'll find a father like the father of the prodigal son, a father who says, gosh, I'm glad you're here, or gosh, I'm glad you're back. Now let's party, let's celebrate, and then let's continue in the search. Luke chapter 15, verse 25 through 32. Meanwhile, the older brother was in the field working. When he returned home, he heard music and dancing in the house. And he asked one of the servants what was going on. Your brother's back, he was told, and your father's killed the fattened calf. We're celebrating because of his safe return. The older brother was angry and wouldn't go in. His father came out and begged him, but he replied, All these years I've slaved for you and never once refused to do a single thing that you told me to do. And in all that time, you never gave me even one young goat for a feast with my friends. Yet when this son of yours comes back after squandering your money on prostitutes, you celebrate by killing the fattened calf. His father said to him, look, dear son, you've always stayed by me and everything I have is yours. We had to celebrate this happy life for your brother was dead and has come back to life. He was lost, but now is found. And listen, the, the older brother, he, he's the epitome of a lot of found Christians. What Jesus is saying in these three stories is, I spend my time with unreligious people because they are the focus of my Father, and that's why he sent me. Why did Jesus come to this earth? To seek and to save the lost. So learning number three, Jesus is on a search for the lost. And I believe churches that reflect the heart of the Father are the churches that God will use. The churches that forget the Father's heart become a group of people that are just gathered together as searchers But nobody's doing any searching. So I don't ever want to lose the heart of the Father and the heart of who we are as a church. So how do we we apply this? And I think i got to speak to two different groups of people today. First, if you are kind of offended, kind of put off by the fact that God would classify you as lost. Listen, sometimes we can be lost 
and not even know we're lost. Anybody driving knows that. Drive with a man. He'll claim he's not lost, but I guarantee you a lot of times he's lost. Right? So we can be lost and not even know that we're lost. And if you think that's you, that God's calling you a lost sheep or a lost coin or a prodigal son, the fact that God would call you lost means you have incredible worth and incredible value to him because what we lose gets the focus of our attention. If you lost $200 in your house, you would tear your house upside down until you found it. Right? But what about your kindergarten photo where you graduated from kindergarten? You know where it is? No. Is it in a folder? In the attic? Maybe it's in the basement? I don't know. Are you searching for it? No. Why would I be searching for it? Well, it's lost. It's not that important to you, right? What we lose that's in value to us gets the sole focus of our attention. So the fact that God would classify you as lost, don't be offended by that. That just means you have incredible worth and value. And the other application is to those of us that are found, and the the challenge is simply this. Have we joined our Father in the search? Or are we just sitting around hoping that everybody else is going to get found? Because the truth is, too many churches, the body of Christ, the representative of Christ has quit searching. And when God looks down on a Sunday, what do you think he thinks? When he sees all the searchers gathered together, but nobody is searching. I've been in a lot of churches. You've been in a lot of churches. I've worked with leaders all over the world, and I have this feeling that when groups of searchers quit searching, they're eventually going to feel the absence of God who's called them to search. I mean, if God's main concern is for the lost, and then the church, his representative, the body of Christ, doesn't have any interest in partnering with him to search for the lost, why would he want to show up? But when a group of searchers get serious... Amazing things happen in their life and amazing things happen in the people's lives that they're searching for and God shows up in an incredible way. And as a church over the years, we've been blessed because again, we've been intentional about creating a place where people who need to be found are comfortable. So my only concern as a church is that we would someday somehow become so comfortable hanging out with other searchers that we would forget to carve time out of our day and out of our lives to continue in the search. And so that's why we always have to be investing in people. Because when you invest in people, you're investing in something that's going to last for eternity. And one way to invest is to bring people to church. People are like, I can't tell people about Jesus. You don't have to. You bring them here, I'll tell them. I'll tell them about how Jesus can change their life. And listen, they're coming to church next week. It may have sounded like a selfish statement at the beginning when I said I want them to come here, but that's because I know they're going to be loved and they're going to be welcomed and they're going to be accepted because we've all been loved and welcomed and accepted for 11 and a half years. So pray at night or in the morning, whenever your quiet time is, and say, hey, God, open the door for me to invite someone next Sunday. Open the door for me to have some influence in this person's life. 
you know I'm not going to surprise you when they show up. I'm not going to do something totally different than we've done for 11 and a half years. You may say, gosh, they do the same thing every Sunday. Yeah, that's intentional so that you know what to expect when you bring your friends. Gosh, they never go over. It's, we're always out in an hour. Yeah, because that's we want you to know what to expect when you bring your friends. You know, everything we do on this earth, we're going to do better in heaven. Right? I'm going to sing better in heaven. Praise God, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, we're going to love better in heaven. We're going to worship better in heaven. We're going to sing better in heaven. We're, we're going to understand grace better in heaven. But there's one thing we can't do in heaven in that search. When you get to heaven, you can't search for your children or your husband or your wife. You can't search for your family members or your neighbors. Our time to search is now. And that is why Christ left us here as the body of Christ on this earth, to help those that are far from God. Why? Because he says they're lost. And anything we lose has incredible, incredible significance. So next week, we're, we're, we're going to have three services. And you are the group, if you come to this service, you've got to put a note in your calendar. Service doesn't start at 10.30, it's going to start at 10.15. So we've got a service at 9, 10.15, and 11.30. Bring somebody with you. And then any week, continue to invest in people. Let's pray for a minute, and I'm just going to ask you to bow your heads and, and close your eyes. And, and as we do that, before we even talk to God, here's what I want you to do. I want you to focus on the people that you know. Focus on the people that you know who don't have the hope of Jesus. Maybe they're just out there wandering around. Just focus on them for a second. And would you do yourself a favor and me a favor and the church a favor and would you commit this morning to investing in that relationship? Will you invite them to come with you to church to hear about Jesus? If you do, who knows what God will do? in and through this place. You don't even have to bring them here. You may have to leave this church in order to invite them somewhere you think they'll be more comfortable. And listen, that is okay. Our heart has to be for the lost regardless. And if you know they're going to be more comfortable in a different style church, by all means, skip church here next week and take them there. But would you continue to be a searcher who's searching. God, thank you, first of all, for the past 11 and a half years, for the heart you've given each of us, for those that don't know you. Thank you for this picture in Luke 15 of just how valuable people are to you that don't know you yet and just how much you want us to help with the search once we're found. God, we do pray for our community and the people that don't know you, that you would open doors for them to hear about you, to help them to see past all of the human stuff we do to mess up your message, that they could truly see the difference that you make in lives. Lord, we pray for 
We pray for churches all over the world, Lord, but specifically we're praying for churches in our community. That they would search this week for those that need to hear you. We pray for churches that are underground where the search is even more difficult. That they would continue to search for people. Lord, that every church would have your heart for the lost. Lord, we love you and we just thank you for giving us the opportunity. Amen. So please make sure you write those times down, 9, 10, 15, and 11.30 for next Sunday and next Sunday only. Uh, let me encourage you to continue to fill out that uh, connection card. You can access it through our church center app or through that QR code. If you've got somebody you've been you know, praying for in their faith, put them on that prayer, requ- prayer request, and we will pray for them all throughout the week. Or if you're praying about having a conversation with somebody, put them on that prayer request, and we'll pray for it. If you're worshiping through generosity, you know how to do that online, or you can do it in the black boxes. I hope you have a terrific Holy Week, and I hope you'll come back and see us next Sunday, Easter Sunday. God bless you guys.